I think editorializing on interesting facts is sort of like the gist of it. What does factual even mean anyway? I mean, it certainly means different things to different people. I hit record. I hit record. Here we go. Okay. Uh, welcome to FC. Uh, FC. <laughs> What's our FC? Feature creep. Feature creep. Colon. BM. Built-in microwave. Semicolon. Uh, short. Exa- uh, short. Yeah. Exhaustively researched flatware. Yes. <laughs> I'm still having negative brain effects from the, the aftermath of this adventure that i went on at three in the morning the other day so i like what the hell is flatware i when i was a kid i remember i don't remember exactly when i heard this but i heard it like it it wasn't something i grew up with the idea like the name of it and the use of that term um obviously i grew up with silverware uh right but that was the term that they used was like the silverware um and so flatware is something that I wasn't until maybe I was in college that I had encountered as usage. Um, yeah. So like technically silverware is utensils for eating and serving food that are made out of silver, which is why people used to have to like polish their silver. It was like, mm-hmm. like your fucking grandma has this big wooden box in her house and inside the wooden box is like this molded, velour covered foam that has these little slits and channels and like tufts that secure your silverware in a very stately and orderly way and like it's like it's like a treasure box that you keep in your house full of your fine silverware and you take the silver out to polish it once in a while right and right. so and never like, use it because right <laughs> flatware on the other hand looks like silverware but it's made out of less expensive metal it doesn't require any kind of polishing like silver does so it doesn't stain and is hence made out of things like stainless steel or stamped aluminum if it's really inexpensive or stuff like that and the flatware is i don't know why it's called flat i mean probably because it lays flat on the table um i think also like sometimes it's like stamped out of like flat sheets flat sheets right yeah the really inexpensive stuff is so um like i have sort of in between so this is cute damon has really expensive silverware that well it's really expensive flatware because it's not made out of silver but it's really expensive and it's like super ornate and like weighs a million pounds Uh and he he got it when he got married and um He's not obviously married anymore, but uh-huh. he kept the silverware because it was like, well, what am I going to fucking do with it? I mean, it's like really nice shit, like the shit you put out when your relatives show up. Right. If you right. still talk to those people. So uh, he we have those in the basement as in like a, maybe somebody will need these really fancy silverware one day, but probably we won't. Uh-huh. And flatware. And uh, in the meantime, my grandmother gave me a a less nice but still way nice uh nicer than i ever would have bought for myself set of flatware from oneida uh-huh. um which is like the buff sand dune pattern it's actually not ugly silverware it's or flatware it's nice to look at yeah but the problem is that uh even for the two of us with two workspaces including the house and the studio space that we rent um it's like we always seem to run out of flatware i think we have place settings for six uh-huh. and there's two of us and if you eat three times and don't wash the silverware in between like hypothetically in one day all of your silverware can be gone if you only have six place settings right right 
So, yeah, it's especially if somebody takes some to work and then forgets it there or wants to have some just live at work. That means you're down several. Anyway, I looked around and tried to find matching flatware so that I could just order more of what we have. Yes. Not because I care so much about flatware patterns to begin with, but because having mismatched patterns of things makes me a little bit neurotic. Right. And so I I was like, I'm going to find this sand dune buff pattern silverware and I'm going to buy more of it and it's going to be this big collection and it's going to all match and it's going to be wonderful and it's kind of like I I wouldn't care but now I have to care. Right. Right. Um like I didn't get the silverware from IKEA so it's not like I can just go grab some off of a shelf for 6 bucks uh-huh. and not have to worry about it. Like yeah. this the set of flatware that I have probably cost $100. And so it's like, well, I suppose it's worth matching it if I can find it. Well, the problem is they don't make that silverware pattern anymore. This is just like China patterns where people have like, there's companies and individuals who own China pattern companies who like just literally their whole, oh my God, the television downstairs, like apparently. And so I had like smooth jazz on in the uh-huh. background and it ended and I turned it up kind of loud so I could hear it. And then all of a sudden it switched over to the next video, which is like high intensity interval training exercise. <laughs> and it's, there's just this like exercise woman screaming in my living room now and it scared the shit out of me. Um, I'm probably going to have to turn that down or it's going to impede. Yeah, our recording. Let, let's do it. We'll just hit the pause button real quick. Okay. I will hit, hit, hit pause here. God, that scared the living daylights out of me. I'm like, who's in my house? <laughs> okay. <laughs> One sec. Uh, pausing now. <laughs> okay, great. So, uh, uh, sorry for the interruption there. Um, so, yeah, what were we talking about? Uh, the flatware. Yeah, and the flatware. So you're saying all these people have, there are individuals who have companies that yeah. just like do patterns. Warehouses full of overstock china patterns so when you have like you know you put out your 80 piece fucking place setting with like uh-huh. your dinner chargers and your soup bowls and your 16 forks and like the two different cups for whatever the hell you're drinking and all the things like if you break some of that it it's kind of this all or nothing thing you're like fuck now my china set is incomplete now i don't have these problems i think my parents generations the boomers were like the last people who took china patterns seriously yes because right. it's like for this reason exactly They're totally impractical. You break one teacup and the whole fucking set is ruined. Right. So there's people who've capitalized on this, much like every other minuscule aspect of life in America. And they've created this backlog of these plates and stuff. And so you can go online and you can search inventory and you can talk to people about the China pattern that you have. Right. And then they will look in their overstock and they will see if they have matching stuff. And then at exorbitant rates, will sell you individual pieces to make your life complete again and make you socially (laughs) acceptable to your relatives when they come over because you have matching China. Uh It's like in the context of modern America, this shit is so ridiculous. I can't even believe it. But like this actually meant a lot to people at one time, I guess. And you would get like, you would get your fine China. You would pick out a China pattern. You would register with the department store in town. And then your family would convene on the node of the department store and look at your gift registry. And they'd be like, Oh, 
a set of china is real fucking expensive so four of us are all going to go in on it and we're all going to buy pieces of the set that you have indicated as the future married couple that you want to define your relationship for all of time until you die <laughs> and so like the people will buy you your china but then you're stuck with this pattern for the rest of your life and you're supposed right. to hand it down to like you know your grandchildren or your grandchildren's grandchildren or whatever the hell and uh-huh. it's like well you couldn't even manage to keep one set for your lifetime right. i don't know how you think this is like a sustainable plan for investing in fine china um so yeah there's like it's a whole thing and so, i yeah i didn't want to get wrapped into any of that and yet <laughs> and yet here we are i and mine is not mikasa fucking china it's like flatware from ebay uh-huh so because I couldn't really find any of the I couldn't find full sets of the sand dune Oneida flatware that my grandmother gave me. Yeah. They just don't sell it anymore. So it's not like I can just get uh, with a point and a click another four piece setting with all of the accoutrements it's like i i have to go and individually like i would like a spoon i would like two of these bread knives like it's just ridiculous and so the amount that they're charging for these individual pieces it reminds me very much of the china situation except that we're not talking about stuff that carries an intrinsic value as much as china china is like a highly crafted item like Mm -hmm. the patterns and all this stuff there's like art that goes into it i don't really think that you can say the same of flatware maybe i'm insultware insulting flatware designers if i am i'm sorry but like it just doesn't seem like it's worth putting this much time and effort into the flatware so i was like what i really just want is some extra full sets where i know that i've got all of the included flatware that i need and i'm not buying it one spoon at a time or whatever and so this coincided with my cat not he like puked a bunch of food the other night and that made his insulin levels go off because he's like newly diagnosed as diabetic and we're trying to get it under control and so the cat was like awake and harassing me for food every couple of minutes like every couple of minutes i'm not exaggerating until after three in the morning the other night and so i basically didn't get to sleep until way 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 late And the whole time was just minute by minute me thinking, okay, maybe he'll leave me alone for a few minutes and then trying to fall back asleep and not getting there. And so I was like in my insomnia, I was looking online and I thought this is a perfect time where I'm not stealing this time from other productive activities that could be taking place. I'll look into getting some additional sets of flatware to supplement what we already have and maybe I can find a pattern that's not so obtrusive or ridiculous that it makes it seem stupid. I don't know. Like, it's fucking 12 at night at this point. <laughs> right? I, my right. logic's all you over just, the place. Yeah. It's just trash logic at that point. It's like just trash logic. Yeah. <laughs> it's just what I needed was a cigarette. Right. I, I would have cleared up everything. <laughs> Laser sharp focus. Exactly. Um, so I spent, like, from... Oh, God. It ended up being from like 10 p.m. until almost 3 a.m. Like, (laughs) just obsessively comparing flatware patterns that were in a range of affordability, Uh but not like not super cheap, like cafeteria silverware that's just been, like you said, stamped out of a flat piece of aluminum. Like, Uh a little bit nicer flatware than that because I want it to be durable. Sure. Um, And I can't imagine a world in which 
I'm friends with people who would judge me based on my flatware, but 100%, right, yeah. I, internally, if I and ever yet wanna... you're just like hanging out with one of those friends all the time. I, I mean, know. Like, you make a podcast with one of those assholes. <laughs> I know. I'm one of those assholes. <laughs> right. One of the did first things I would that notice. Her flatware did not match. I had a spoon and a fork and a knife, and they were all different patterns. <laughs> I mean, these are just things I notice. Uh-huh. I probably would never ever be judgmental about uh, it no, and say God, anything, no. but right. I would so notice. Yeah. Of course I would notice. So right. I, you know, it's I'm gonna have to live with this every day of my life. So it carries uh-huh. some weight here sure. in my own existence. And so um what this this sort of endeavor, this late night reality avoiding endeavor yeah. coincided with um a sort of like weird set of rules for behavior that I have for myself on the internet, uh-huh. which is to say that like, I really like shopping on the internet, not because I necessarily end up buying everything I shop for on the internet, but because it makes comparisons, massive amounts of like multidimensional comparisons possible in a short amount of time. And so when I'm doing lots and lots of like copious research on the internet around things like, basically meaningless things like flatware um i allow myself the ability to put whatever i want in my shopping basket for comparison's sake um and then if i like something i don't have to think about it too much at the time i just put it in the basket and keep going and so i can do huge amounts of like data gathering if that's what you want to call it for price and other feature um comparison shopping and i don't have to worry too much about comparing features or getting bogged down in the details at the outset. Really what I start out with in a process like this is just a massive amount of data gathering. So for several hours, all I did was collect items that were for sale, both on Amazon and eBay. And because what I wanted to do is at the first step, get a full scope, like a good overview of all of the range of options that are out there. And then I start narrowing down my metrics. So, for example, I didn't want to spend anywhere near eighty to hundred dollars on a set of four place settings of flatware. Like that's ridiculous. I don't need to do that. I need something less expensive. So I basically said eliminate any of the options that I've dumped in my shopping carts that exceed forty five dollars. Right. Right. Just get rid of, get rid of all of them. And so what I'm left with are settings, uh, table settings of flatware in a variety of patterns, none of which necessarily match each other. Um, and the individual quantity of particular utensils is different, perhaps, in each of these selections. But nonetheless, none of them will cost me more than $45, no matter how many place settings are in there. That's great. That's so the way then, yeah. right, from there, I started to narrow down uh-huh. the actual patterns that I thought would complement the pattern I already have. Gotcha. Yeah. And when I found several patterns that I actually thought I could live with since I'm forcing myself to choose these sorts of things uh-huh. at two in the morning, yeah. I then it became an issue of narrowing down among the patterns that I actually liked the individual variations on 
the quantities of utensils and the types of utensils that are included in these sets to begin with. So for example, I don't need serving ware. I already have a bunch of extra large spoons and forks for like salads and things like that that came with my original place setting that my grandma got me, which was like the set you up from the beginning thing. Like here's all the shit you need. It all matches. Go. Right. Uh-huh, right. And then like backfilling is where you run into these issues. So I didn't need any of the serving ware. So I started to eliminate any of the um, sets that I had picked out that included serving ware. Right. Um, and then uh, like narrow down, narrow down, narrow down. Like what else don't I need? Eliminate all of the sets that include place settings for more than eight people. I definitely don't need twice as much silverware right. as I have now. Um, and so I kept sort of shrinking it back and back and back. And what I've ended up with is I've got a place setting that's pretty unobtrusive. It's made of like, okay, flatware material. It's not super low end. It's not very expensive. It's available both on eBay and Amazon. And so I've done a cross site culture, uh, uh, cost comparison. So I know that between the two, I'm getting the better deal. So I've actually narrowed down the price. And what I ended up with was place settings for four people that include two spoons, two forks, and a knife. Uh So five utensils per person Uh for people. And then it also comes with an extra four dinner forks. Perfect. And I was like, that's what I need. And I think it's like $22 or something like that. So that's what I'm going to end up getting. I just haven't made the purchase yet because I didn't have my new checking account. Yeah. Well, per the uh, rules too, right? Up. You got to sit right. on it a per day. The rules. Yeah. Right. So the rules, it, that's, yes. Thank you for redirecting me back to that. So the other rule that I have is like, once you dump everything in there, the even if you've decided that there's something you specifically want for absolutely certain, you're not allowed to buy it until 24 hours has elapsed. And this keeps you sort of, it eliminates the possibility of being um, super sleep deprived and having like weird alternating surging neurochemistry at 3 a.m. and being like this. Now this is a good idea. It's like I've been working on this problem for five hours. And so the quality of my research and thinking should improve over time. But uh-huh. given the fact that we're moving into like the morning of the next day, it's it's likely that my thinking is not as strong as I think it is. Right, right. And my like future self recognizes this about my past self. And so my future self at one point told my past self, hey, don't click purchase until the next day. So I don't ever put anything. I don't shop for things online that are like uh, an immediate need usually. Right, right, right. If it's that urgent, I will just go buy it in person. I won't you know, sit yeah. there and exhaustively research something that's going to show up two days later. I'll just go buy it. And plus I like buying local, um, as a, as a rule, but yeah. you know, for some things like obscure flatware, you're just going to have to go on the internet. You can't go to Walgreens. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So I had to wait and, um, purchase the flatware. So that's on my list of things to do today. But yeah, I, it's like, it's kind of ridiculous. Like on one hand, I wanted to do enough research so that if I ended up actually deciding to buy like $80 worth of additional silverware, I could be confident that I was making a choice that was worth the $80, right? Right. But when you end up with like a $20 selection, you're like, have I really overworked the value of this $20? Like I spent, you know, if I, if my going rate of getting paid is like 35 bucks an hour, I just blew through almost $200 worth of work to settle on a $20 set of silverware. Right, right. Uh, But I kind of feel like the fact that I found such a good deal makes it worth it. Yeah. 
in some ways. I, I mean, it's, yeah, there's also, I think you kind of have to appreciate the ritual of something where you were up, um, you chose to do that with your time, and there's some value yeah. in just you spending your time doing a thing, whether it's, you know. Um, it is a little meditative. Yeah. I, I There's a certain ritual in shopping in that way that I enjoy. I do, um, like, I've been kind of mulling about buying, like, you know, rolling around in the back of my brain is the idea of like maybe buying an espresso machine at some point. And <gasps> I've been pushing through this for a good six or seven months. Like I've been kind of like, I watch reviews. I like, I have a couple narrowed down um, a couple that I recently had narrowed down to have been kind of eliminated for various reasons. So I'm kind of left with like, I don't know what I'm going to get again. So I'm just kind of keep, keep kind of thinking about it. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's also like, it's mitigated by the factor that, um, or by the fact that I, I, I think I have a pretty strong uh, caffeine sensitivity. <laughs> yes. Um, we, I think we've talked about this, but maybe yeah. only briefly, like both of us have this problem. Yeah. I, uh, it's so, you know, that, that sort of um, portion of it. <laughs> Is, is a That's factor. immediately what I thought when yeah. you said like espresso machine. I was like, yes, you must get an espresso machine. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a funny thing too, because the thing about it is that um, it's, it's got like, I don't know that it's caffeine sensitivity. Like it might have something to do with coffee because I yeah. can drink green tea. And if I, you know, I, I can be fine. Like, I mean, I feel the caffeine, but I'm not the like insane sort of anxiety ridden, like, you know, right. tweaker sort of like my eyebrows are kind of like sticking straight out and there's a little bit of like electricity <laughs> shooting out of the ends of all the hairs on my body. And I'm just sort of like, you know, scrambling like, uh, like Golem and, uh. um, in uh you know, in the Hobbit, right? Like just like yeah. freakishly like obsessed with things. Um I also wanted to before we turn away from flatware or silverware or tableware, was just spend one moment talking about the term. Um uh flatware the name the name flatware originally according to the Oxford English Dictionary, it originally um was used to reference plates and dishes and saucers in the sense oh. that it was shallow, smooth-surfaced, as opposed to hollowware, which would be things like bowls and cups and things like that. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And then um, at some point it became, uh, you know, more used in, I think the earliest reference it says is in 1895 in the U.S. sense of domestic cutlery. Um so mm. yeah, flatware. Uh, there's in the Wikipedia article they suggest that um, the uh, the use of tableware is often used to distinguish to like avoid confusion between flatware and silverware, um, where flatware ah. was often basically implied to mean definitely not silverware but otherwise cutlery. Um, I mean, cutlery is a pretty good term generally like i don't know it doesn't really yeah. matter it's you know english language is is wonderful and awful in that way that we have many different words to describe the same thing um or to nuance your way around things um yeah yeah anyway anyway uh yeah. <laughs> plausible di deniability your way around uh, yes, exactly. uh, that's not what i meant <laughs> right um 
I mean, yeah, I wonder if <laughs> I like my brain was just like, oh, I wonder if there's a connection between the nature of the English language and the way that law is practiced in this country. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I that would be an interesting study to see how how they how it influences um, the nature of our laws and the way that they're worded. I mean, obviously, the way they're worded is very important and language is really important in that regard. I mean, the law and language is like a great kind of, you know, equalizer of yes you know communication um nothing nothing more (laughs) nothing more um i don't know what like attention drawing or like nothing more critical than uh how a governing body is about to like address the nature of an individual's life um (laughs) yeah you know from from stupid shit like you know you owe us money for parking in the wrong spot to like now we're gonna kill you yeah like you know fuck yeah um it runs the gamut yeah yeah it does it runs the gamut um okay anyway i don't know i feel like that's a good i think so yeah it's funny that you like your caffeine sensitivity situation i feel like is really similar to mine where like we i have a the like the like the short we just recorded about smoking and not smoking and how like smoking can be beneficial in some ways but it really quickly turns super unbeneficial in other ways i feel like caffeine for me is the same Uh so again another super common extremely widely available basically ubiquitous substance like caffeine and yet it's one of the most grueling bad for you worst side effects uncomfortable like everything about it is just like from the standpoint of taking substances it's one of the most uncomfortable ones there is right and so I'm like highly sensitive to it. And at first I'll start out taking it and I'm like, I feel amazing. And then like, you know, I, and I love the taste of coffee. So Uh it's really easy for me to drink a lot of it really quickly. Uh And then about six to eight hours later, I am crashing off of that caffeine Mm -hmm. and not in a way where I'm like, I'm so tired. I need more caffeine. It's much more insidious and subtle than that. It's I'm like, questioning my life choices and wondering how i'm still alive Uh and like sitting on the floor doing nothing wondering what comes next and panicking about it like yeah Yeah. super emotionally unstable Uh it's crazy yeah so like i can get a lot done but i have to get it done very soon after drinking coffee because the anxiety that will eventually peak within me will become so detrimental and obstructive that i actually can't get anything done right 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 yes i just go into full on like panic scattered panic mode uh-huh yeah and, and then like as soon as the crash is over I'm like, whoo, that was terrible. I wonder what that was. And then like the next morning I'll get up and drink a bunch of coffee and not make the connection. And then eventually like I made the connection, like your panic attacks, I think, are you coming off of caffeine? <laughs> and then I, I like after several days of not drinking coffee, I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm not crying at 6 p.m. My clockwork. <laughs> I think it might be that coffee. Right. But like sometimes it's really bad. Like I'll get in the habit of like if I just have one cup of coffee in the morning, then I don't usually have that like crushing existential dread by 6 p.m. Yeah. But sometimes I'll forget and then I'll have more coffee and then I'll forget that the reason that I'm having this existential dread at 6 p.m. is because I accidentally had more coffee that morning. And then I'll start to internalize it like I think I'm getting depressed again. It's like, no, it's all it's all the coffee. It's all the coffee, right? (laughs) Trust me. It's the coffee. (laughs) 
So like on one hand, I'm very excited about the possibility of you having a very fancy espresso machine. Yeah. And on the other hand, I'm like, don't do it. Right. <laughs> don't do well, it, Ned. I, I want the I want to get um a manual hand hand lever, um hand lever, lever. Yeah. Uh, a manual hand lever um espresso machine because yeah. i i like the appeal of the sort of ritual of it and the mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. also the ability to have some like really significant control over it and all yeah. of those things um i have to hang on a second i have to pause this for a second okay pause okay. it Cup. all right uh, so you you like the idea of the handle like the ritual oh, i yeah. totally appreciate that yeah and i i think the um I I've had a couple of really really good shots of espresso in my life, um, and so I like the idea of being able to kind of like control that and try and create that at home. Yeah, because um, totally the, the place that I I get espresso. Well, I don't get it. the place that I've had the very bre- best espresso from is this um, this cafe uh, cafe Madeline here in San Diego. There's a mm-hmm. there's two now, but the one the original one um over in kind of north park south park area was um i just one time had this this espresso from them and it was fucking amazing and so (laughs) what was so great about it it just the flavor it just was really like i mean it's been so long now that i'm like i don't know maybe i'm mythologizing something that never really existed (laughs) um but I've gone there a couple of times to try and have it, and it's like it's a crapshoot. It was a crapshoot with them. I think they've gotten better. Um, but they had it would like sometimes I would have amazing espresso. So like I pretty regularly could go there and have that experience. So it wasn't like just the one time. Um, yeah. But sometimes I so basically I described it as like I would I've had both the best and the worst espresso I've ever had from them. And by worst, <laughs> I like I've never had like truly horrible like coffee from them. That's not what I'm saying. It's just yeah. when you've had like this like really great espresso and then you get there and it's like a little disappointing that it's just like, you know, on par with Starbucks as opposed to like this like peak of like this sort of like sweet sort of rich, dark coffee flavor. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. You know, like not too bitter, but not, you know, I mean, it's not really like there's a sweetness to it that's weird. It's like not, um, I, I don't know, I'm not really great at describing flavors, but it's it's a strong, it's a strong coffee shot of espresso with that kind of um, like you kind of taste the oiliness of it, I guess, or like the fats and the beans and like all the things like it just, I don't know, it's a very complex flavor. Anyway, yeah. um I my reasoning was that oh maybe I can do this at home if I have a decent espresso machine. You just need something that can pull a decent shot and then you can kind of, you know, adjust from there and if you have a manual machine then you can really like adjust like the pressure profiles and all of this yeah. other stuff. And so I've just been kind of looking at that. There's other machines that are more automated that are um that allow you to tweak all of those things but they're much more expensive and um I don't need a robot to do that for me. I'm ha- perfectly happy to like practice and get better at it myself. Um, yes. You know, for the sake of doing shots of espresso. Um, anyway, I don't know. That was kind of, and so I, I appreciate your hunt for the flatware or tableware or silverware that is going to work for you. I did also um, remember when I learned about the insanity of the sort of tableware problem yeah 
and oh how God. like you know especially around weddings right like when some of my friends were getting married early on and they were talking about the sets that they wanted and the things and i mm-hmm. and, and i was like well what happens when you break that teacup they're like well you don't no you don't you don't break it's it's the good tableware you don't get it out you just put it in a cabinet and never use it um right. for fear of breaking it because it's so hard to replace um and then I noticed it's like a lot of them would like a lot of companies will advertise that it's like, oh, you can just buy from us. Like when, when you buy in this, you can buy from us. And it's like I looked at it and I'm like, yeah, look, I can see if you break like if you break dishes in the first year, you'll be able to replace them. But then after that, they're out. They're gone. You right? can't replace yeah. them. They're like, yes. oh, yeah, you know, you can look in our catalog and you can buy individual pieces for reasonable prices. And it's like right now while you're carrying that line. Yes, um, and then when you stop carrying that line, it'll go into like the cottage industry where there's like, like we talked about, several old people with these old warehouses full of old dishes. Yes, yeah, exactly. So um, I remember thinking early on, I was like, <laughs> well, the solution to this is like, what do restaurants do? Oh, we'll just buy from restaurant supply. Yep. You can just oh, buy man, like love. how many how many forks do you need? Great, F- you know, fifteen and a half. I don't think we do half forks, but we definitely do whole forks. Like right. you know, right. um, and so you know that that was always in my mind. I was like, if I was ever in that position, so I do the next yeah. best thing, which is that I um I just buy 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 the pound from like um from thrift stores. <laughs> Yeah, so that's the other thing. If you decide that you just want to go completely mismatched, that is a hundred percent legitimate in my mind. Yes, I am. I'm certainly not advocating that anybody spend any time trying to figure out like this is so Fight Club, right? Yeah. What, what sort of flatware set describes me as a person? Like, <laughs> none of that shit, right? Yeah. The only reason that I went through this amount of research and dis- and struggle yes. to find a flatware set that I could live with is because my grandma had already gone through the trouble of doing this for me. And I really think that she... My grandma gives great gifts. Like uh-huh. She really... She really nails it. Um, <clears throat> and so when she gave me this flatware set, it, I never, it's a perfect gift because A, I never would have spent that much money on myself for that item. Right. So it was it was special. And she actually put some thought into picking out a pattern that she thought that I would like. And she was right. She picked out a really good one. Yeah. Especially when I look at the other ones that are out there. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I would not have picked any of these. Uh-huh. So she she picked something that I've lived with. <clears throat> for over 20 years yeah and enjoyed um so it was like i don't want to get rid of the set i already have um I, i'm just gonna have to find something that goes with it interestingly enough and to your point um the flatware that i found that i did want is from a restaurant supply company oh that's great so it's not the super low-end cheap stuff yeah the cafeteria stuff it's nicer than that but I don't think there's any possibility of it becoming obsolete in the next 10 to 15 years. Right, right. <clears throat> it seems like a pretty standard pattern of theirs. So that is to say, it almost lacks a pattern. It's just silverware. Right, right, right. So I think I'm picking one that has some uh, some longevity maybe. Hopefully, because I this is dumb. I'm not advocating that anybody spend even anywhere near five hours agonizing over (laughs) flatware or china or any other dish serving. Like if it were up to me, I probably would have just gotten random silverware from the start. No, you know what? That's a lie because I like having things that match and are. Yeah, it's not that I want them to match because they're more expensive. It's just I like 
I I totally get that. I think um I appreciate uniformity in some ways. Yeah, which is where I felt like that that meets at the um the restaurant supply, right? Because their yeah. restaurants are like, well, things have to match. That's our thing. I mean, unless they're like right. specifically like we're running this restaurant by going to thrift stores and buying, you know, pounds and pounds of like flatware and then sorting it out. Yeah. They don't do that. They're just like, no, you go to the, you know, you restaurant like there's a catalog they probably order it out of. Yeah, um yeah. or, you know, sometimes you just go to the local store that there's there's some good restaurants st- supply stores here in San Diego. Um there are here too, yeah. Yeah. But um yeah, so that's why and and I, I I you know, that's not to say that I don't appreciate um someone who's got gone to the lengths to try and have a fine china set or a fine table setting. Um mm-hmm. I, I there's not I, I I just think that you can also make yourself insane about it. Um and if yeah. you can afford to do that and that's something you you enjoy spending your time doing great but um it doesn't it doesn't like send you to the high lofts of you know fine society or whatever it's not that's not what defines you as a good person that's for sure um <laughs> yeah yeah uh well anyway i i th- i think we've kind of i think we've done this done this a good decent service as far as a short goes if you end up getting a deadly espresso machine, yes, um, I'm going to have to buy you some like meticulously researched accoutrements for it. Like, oh look yes, at this milk steaming jug. Yes, yes. <laughs> now let me explain to you about this one, and I'm gonna like lecture you for three hours on the relative merits of that particular milk frothing jug. jug right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or like espresso cups and things like that. Now, now notice the point at which the handle meets the body of the vase uh-huh. of the milk jug. You'll see that the seam is meticulously crafted. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm into this. All right, now yeah. I'm, now I'm remotivated to like look. Now into you the... have to. Yeah, you now have I have to. to. Um, yeah, now you're. It's like buying the car for like the leather interior or something. You have to get the espresso machine so we can get all of the fun toys that go with it. Uh huh. Exactly. Yeah. Well, do you know the thing about the espresso machine is that um, you also have to grind coffee, and the fucking grinders are like almost as expensive as the espresso machines. So, uh, what? Tell me about this. So, um, you have this is this is going to be a long we're just going to have to be like just kidding it's a long just one kidding. it's a long one um so the thing about grinding coffee is that generally speaking the the current sort of the current wisdom is that uh <laughs> that coffee grounds need to be of uniform size so that you get a um you get an even extraction, right? So if you have lots of different sizes of grind, so if you, um, you know, if you take a bean and you kind of smash it on the table with a spoon or your hand or something, then you're going to get big chunks and small chunks. And what you want is all the chunks need to be exactly the same size. That's the ideal grind. Then, then there's issues of grinds in general, right? So like what size is your, you know, are you grinding to? And espresso is typically like a pretty fine grind. Um, Mm -hmm. And so uh, in order to achieve a uniform grind, one needs to use particular tools to do that. And so most people are probably familiar with like a blade grinder. 
um, or like sometimes they're called spice grinders. It's what I use at home, like when I make coffee in the um, in the like I have a French press, right? So I have a blade grinder yeah. that's basically like you know it's just like a cylinder with some spinning blades on the top and a little like cover that you put over them and you throw the beans in there and you it's push like the button in it. Like a little short stubby blender. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so um, a blade grinder is uh, notoriously it's it's notoriously bad for creating a very uniform grind there are things you can do to mitigate that for instance you can grind your beans in it and then you can dump them out and put them through like like filter them through a um like a strainer you know like Mm -hmm. a a mesh strainer so that you can like filter out the finest grinds and then collect those and then regrind the like ones that don't make it through the mesh um and then you can, and then what you can do is then you can take that fine grind and you can put it on like a paper towel and spread it around on the paper towel and the paper towel will collect the finest grinds. And so then you have yeah. sort of a medium or like a middle grind that didn't get stuck to the paper towel and also made it through the mesh. And then you have a more uniform size, right? So there are but things you can like do, but wasted a bunch of coffee that way. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, okay, it's not I'm it's in. not that much, but it's like, you know, but the point being is that um, yeah. there are obviously workarounds. But if you're making your coffee every day, you want to have um, you'd like to have control over your your grind size. So uh, burr grinders are currently the way people grind their coffee and burr grinders work a lot like a uh, like a pepper mill. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, they basically have two two kind of plates that grind together. Um, and then within the burr grinder, uh, genre or the sort of like area of, you know, application, there are, uh, plate grinders and there are conical grinders. And so conical grinders are definitely like a pepper mill and plate grinders are a little more like, um, kind of like a flour mill in the sense that it's like two plates that rotate together. Um, or like a, like a mortar and yeah a little bit like that um in the sense of the action right so you have um two two surfaces yeah yeah grinding as opposed i when i think of some of the grinders um like the conical grinders they kind of remind me of like a pencil sharpener yeah yeah a little bit yeah like the one side yeah um so uh you're talking about like the the pencil sharpener that has the hand cranked ones like the ones you have in school when you yeah, like, like empty it on the wall yeah they're so almost like gears yes yeah so um so anyway uh the grinders so being able to produce a really even grind is important and then being able to re- reproduce that is important and the whole ritual around making coffee is insane and um <laughs> and the things that people go to and the way that you can be like obsessed with it so if you're into making espresso um you want to have you want to have control over the temperature of the water the pressure profile as the water is pushed through the group head and the group head is the portion of the espresso machine that contains the coffee um and it's usually like well okay no it's the portion of the machine that the the hot water comes through and meets the porta filter and the porta filter mm-hmm. is the portion that has like it's a little basket that the coffee is like pressed into and mm-hmm. so then mm-hmm. um how that hot water is introduced and at what pressure and temperature it's introduced to the coffee and how it moves through that basket of that like little puck of coffee is all things that you want to control if you're going to be insane about making espresso 
And so... Um, I love this amount of attention to detail, by the way. This is like yeah. right up my alley, which is why it's so disappointing that caffeine makes me so crazy. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And so there are... In, in the world of espresso machines, there are many different ways. There are different ways that they go about controlling and regulating the water temperature. So you don't want to, mm-hmm. you don't want boiling water, but boiling water is right. typically what drives the pressure, right? So, yes. Um, so the then pressures are, the pressures are measured in bars, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, they don't have to be, but that's typically the way. Um, that's kind of the, I think that's, yeah, that's English units. So you can measure pressure in, um mercury and like inches of mercury and or millimeters of mercury and a couple of other things anyway um i as a scientist i should have this like right in the back of my mind but i fails me this morning i didn't have my coffee this morning um (laughs) so anyway you control so you control the pressure but it's not just like what pressure the water is for this like perfect temperature of water. So like, I think it's like 92 degrees is the kind of considered the relatively important, like perfect temperature, but it may Mm -hmm. be a little lower, a little higher depending. Um, But all of these are variables, right? So the temperature of the water, then the pressure of the water. So how much, how much pressure is applied to pressing that water through the coffee? And then this is the, this is the part that's kind of (laughs) insane is that, that that pressure can vary over time and fully affect the flavor of the shot of the espresso. So if you start out at like say two bars and then you move slowly mm-hmm. down to one and a half bars, like as you know, over time as you're drawing the water through the shot and then how much water you draw through the espresso or through the grind is sure. another part. Like, you know, so there's all these things of like, Oh, I, you know, I'm going to, for this shot, I'm going to use, um, let's say, you know, 25 grams of coffee. And then I'm going to use, you know, 42 grams of water, like exactly how much water you push through that shot and how much coffee is in that shot is another factor. So you have like, you know, your weights of, of water and coffee, you have your temperatures of water, you have your pressure profile over time, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. you know, all of those things affect the, you know, the taste and the flavor of the shot and how, and then of course you also have the kind of coffee bean and the roast that it was roast, like how it was roasted. Was it a dark medium, you know, light? Was it somewhere in between those? Was it a real dark or, you know, all of those things. So it's, I have a profound appreciation of, for this. Yes. Yeah, me too. Um, and I definitely want to, I, I keep thinking about it, but um, the the costs of the espresso machines are all over the place. And the ones that I'm interested in keep kind of like what I think is going to work keeps kind of moving. It's a moving target. I really don't want one of these like newer, like electronic, like hooked up, like smart machines where it's like you have this program on your phone and all these things. I don't want any of that. I just want, I want something that has gauges for all of the different pressures and temperatures and has good control over it and then just a manual lever. But um, anyway, it's, uh, I I think that we could probably talk more about this at a later date. Um, I, I do have to, I'm, I'm going to have to call this one because I have to do uh, that thing that people do when they want to make money. Uh, go to work. Oh, we <laughs> can just have this one can be a long short. It's a long short. That's fine. I think that works. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> well, this was 
Uh, this was fascinating. I, yes. I'll, I wish I could drink coffee more, although I'm sure it would become like an obsessive and insanely expensive habit for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of the same way I'm, I'm right now. It's one of the reasons I haven't invested in the espresso machine at this point. I'm just like, I, I can't, I can't afford it. Can we like, it. can we build some kind of a table and then make it have a place in your house where it lives? Like I'm thinking of one of those gorgeous ones that's like three feet tall and has like a bunch of hoses and things and looks like El Pupo Mechanico. And yes. Like, and is like copper so that it patinas over time or some yes. insane shit like that. Yeah. And it's just going to, it's going to take up like a lot of, it's going to take up a lot of room. Yes. In fact, I think we should do a long podcast about espresso machines and we can describe, uh, I'll send you some links to some of the ones that I've looked at and you can make your own. That's the other thing. Like I've been thinking about, maybe I just need to make my own. So, oh shit. It's yeah. getting real. Right. So maybe we could talk about this. Um, yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm in. Okay. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening in and uh Let's just plug the website. So if you are listening oh, yeah. to this podcast and you want to know more about us or more importantly, get a hold of us, you can go to our website, fcbm.io, or you can just email us. Um, you Email our executive assistant. So Dana, our executive assistant, who, by the way, may actually be joining us for a couple of episodes, which would be fun. Um I know. I'm excited. She's fantastic. Uh, anyway, so Dana, you can email Dana at fcbm.io. So D-A-N-A at fcbm.io. If you send an email to her, we will get it. She'll get it to us. Um, if you have questions, comments, ideas for the show, um, or you just want to blab at somebody about something, or you're frustrated that we could talk an entire hour and a half about something and not mention the most important point. And if you send us that email, we will be sure to read it and attempt to rectify the situation. Okay. Right. That's all I got. Maybe we're doing that on purpose to draw you in. Yeah. Right. Right. It's all, it's the long con. Yes. It's the long con. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is all part of an intricately mapped out right. chess game that only we know we're playing. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. Okay. Good time. Right. okay. Okay.